What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Our Small Majority. I'm Christian Black. And I'm Matthew Gorichkovsky. And today we have Pago. Now, Pago is a friend back in Denmark and actually the godson of Anne. Now, Anne may sound familiar to some of you guys who've been with OSM for a really long time, who's been who's actually listened to season one. It was our first, first, first pilot episode, um, The Warden's Daughter. Mm-hmm. So Pago is her godson, and what he does is very, very interesting. Um, he's a musician. And I've never met a musician like this. He plays a trombone, but he plays a mixture of both jazz and rap music. Like, what is that? That's really cool. <laughs> so I had a really, really good time meeting with him and even had a conversation with him while I was out there on what is it like to be Black in Europe. And he's with us, he's with us um, today in order to share some of his thoughts on the Black Lives Matter march that happened over there in Denmark, along with other things regarding COVID-19. Not to mention, this is our very last episode for season two, excluding our possible team episode, as long as we can uh, get that scheduled so <laughs> all the entire team can record at the same time. Yeah. But besides that, this is our last interview episode. It's our last official season two episode before we go on break so and and who better than pago to be our last person to uh speak with exactly i'm super excited about this episode and just actually talking to him again and i'm really excited to share his thoughts with you guys now so please 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 enjoy this last episode let's dive right into it What is one word that best describes you? And then one word that you're definitely not. Wow. That's a tough one. I think probably a word that describes or a word that has been used to describe me a lot, I guess, is multifaceted. Or like I've been in a lot of different kind of cultural and national contexts. So I have a lot of experience with a lot of different people or a lot of experiences with a lot of different people and a word that doesn't describe me man um wow that is tough um probably hmm and i guess i extroverted i i'm pretty i'm a pretty introverted person it's like Hmm. out there so i guess yeah, out out there, extroverted is probably not what I would describe myself mm. as. Mm. I'm working on it, you know, it's, it's constant self-evolution and all of that. Right. Yeah, introverts have been uh, handling the pandemic pretty well. Yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. this has been our time. This is great. It's like, <laughs> perfect. I can only meet with groups of like maximum five people. Perfect. That's how I try to keep my circle anyway. So, all right. <laughs> so it's perfect. This works for me. So what uh, you said you went to music school. What do, do you have to study a specific instrument while you're there, or is it more uh, um, broad? It depends on the school. So in Denmark, we have three kind of conservatories. There's the one in Copenhagen, and then there's one in Aarhus, which is a city up mm-hmm. north, and then there's one in Odense, which is another city a couple hours outside of Copenhagen. And they, I guess, a couple 
probably like 10, 15 years ago, kind of made a decision that they would try to differ in their approach. So the one in Olinsu is very kind of musicianship on like a very craftsman level, like knowing your instrument and knowing your theory and your scales and all that good stuff. And then the one in Aarhus, or I guess, and then the one in Copenhagen is kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum where you kind of, you study as a, an artist more than as a musician, I guess you could say. So what you learn is more kind of focused on developing your artistry and developing your ways of expression. And it's not really focused on theory or anything like that at all. It's more focused on trying to develop an expression or a musical expression that's unique and original. And then the one in Aarhus is kind of the middle point or the middle ground between those two. Or I guess that's from what I understand. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, somewhere in the middle. So I went to, I guess you could you could say that I studied at the artsy school where it wasn't about instrumental skills or anything like that. It was more about like, project development and deciding what kind of artist you want to be and what kind of art you want to make and what um i guess what role you want your art to have in society mm-hmm. which i mean which it worked really well for me because before that i had gone I, i'd done this uh three-year program which was very focused on like musicianship and skills mm-hmm. where i like my first instrument is trombone. So it was like, I'd done that and it was, everything was very like jazz focused and knowing how to play everything. And I was really fed up with that by the end of it. So I needed to like, just be a musician and not really focus too much on like, oh, can I play all the Charlie Parker songs, you know? Right, mm-hmm. right. So what, what role do you want your music to have in society? God, that is, I mean... I I'm I wish I had figured that out like <laughs> the three years that I studied. I think I don't know. I was listening to this um, this Nina Simone interview yesterday, mm-hmm. the day before, and it was her birthday, so it was just like great day. And she was talking about how, um, in her mind, the artist's role was to reflect their times and their experiences, kind of as mm-hmm. honestly and authentically as possible. Yes. And I guess that's probably as close to a mission statement as I can get to. Like, I want the things that I make to kind of reflect what my experience as a human being is like. And I mean, not necessarily in like a very, I don't know, political or cultural way, but kind of just as a 24 year old human being, Mm -hmm. what's my life like? So that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. that's really yeah. cool and then well first of all Miss Simone is like top notch for me she's one of my role models oh, so she should like, be everyone's yeah. role model yeah. she's, she's amazing she was ahead of her time that's what she was and so how about now with you know the whole political situation happening globally um, the Black Lives Matter movement, COVID-19, how has that sort of shaped or transformed the way that you create art, the way that you create music? It's weird because in a way it's made me even more like introspective or even more focused on just trying to 
tell my stories as a human being, like without having an explicit focus on my race or my gender or my sexuality or anything like that. Just because, I don't know, in a weird way, it feels like with so much focus on these topics and like so much focus on race and sexuality and gender and all these things, I don't, it doesn't come natural to me to make music about that per se. It kind of feels more natural to just like, all right, I just want to make or tell my very specific stories and my very specific stories, like as a human being, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's been this really weird process of like, um, discovering a bunch of stuff going on in the world and like really diving down into getting informed about a bunch of stuff just to know what's going on. But then when it comes to being an artist or being a musician, I try not to, I don't try. It's, I guess I just have like more of a desire to just make my stories and just tell my stories. That's awesome. Well, what would you say is your story? Cause it seems like that you have an extremely interesting story. Like you've been all over the world. You've seen so many things, I'm sure. And then just being a part of the music industry alone, like yeah. what is like a few things that you've learned throughout your time? Like if you can break it up in like three parts, like one thing that sticks with you in childhood, one thing that mm. sticks with you in college, and then one thing that you discovered like now within the past two years. I mean... Childhood wise, I think the main thing that I've like discovered and then rediscovered and then like it keeps coming back in so many different shapes is the whole idea of community and the whole idea of like doing things as collectives. And like, I really like that idea. And I think especially talking about the music business, it's very kind of, it's a very soloist business in a lot of ways you know it's i mean especially these days like bands aren't really a thing like we focus on artists as like singular kind of individuals and people kind of work very singularly or they have a very specifically curated team but it's very kind of by me for me i guess and i've like I guess since like childhood and then coming out of it and then going back into it, I kind of been really enamored with this idea of like, yeah, let's do stuff together and do stuff for each other to like for the betterment of, I guess, each other. Right. So that's a childhood thing. Um, In college, goodness, I don't know. Um, I think the main thing that I kind of, shifted my focus towards while I was studying and while I was become or like getting more established in the music industry, I guess in Denmark specifically is originality and authenticity being these like hugely important concepts, especially, I mean, now you have the internet or we've had it for a while, but now it's like so ingrained into our society. And so you you're exposed to everything. Like I mean, this morning I was watching this music video by a group from Kazakhstan who make mm-hmm. this really interesting blend of like Kazakhstani folk music and metal and 
that yeah that really rocked <laughs> rocked my mind a little bit but i mean like you get exposed to everything and you can go on instagram and you can see whatever you know so trying to focus on the idea like since you can you're exposed to everything and you can see what everyone else is doing the importance of doing something that's authentic has never been more kind of paramount like i mean you can see so many like copies of copies of copies now and that's i mean people can do whatever that's not really for me to judge but it's Mm -hmm. like it resonates more with me to see something that's uniquely a person or uniquely a region or uniquely like something that's so authentic that you can't wait before i continue how is your policy on language, like cursing? Because oh, you, yeah, you can oh, sweet. Because I was like, I was like about a sailor. To... Yeah, be, be yourself. It's all good. <laughs> all right, but yeah, you see a lot of bullshit, and you see a lot of like people ripping off other people. And to me, the things that resonate are like something that's so uniquely that specific thing that you can't bullshit your way out of it. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I really love music that's so specifically like this. Like I love Texas rap for some reason because it's so Texas. And I love like hip hop from the Bay because it's so the Bay. And I love French rap because it's so French. Like you can't bullshit your way around it, you know? Right. And that's, so that's been like the thing that I'm, I guess, focusing on. Like during college and especially once I finished, it's been like, yeah, I really only want to make stuff that feels, I guess, authentic or that that doesn't feel like I'm trying to do something that isn't really me. Like I'm inspired by the things I'm inspired by. Like we all are. We can't get around it. And I'm sure our inspirations show up in if we make art in the art that we make, you know, so you can't get around it, but trying to like find something that's very myself mm-hmm. and something that I specifically like, and I don't, and trying not to like think too much about if other people fuck with it or not, just like, okay, I really like this. So I guess if it, like, if it appeals to my tastes, then that's, that's what it needs to do, <laughs> I guess. Right. So, yeah, that's probably, I mean, I feel like those or that thing kind of applies both to college and life now. And I mean, especially these days where everyone's been all cooped up in their houses or their apartments and like really had to deal with themselves. Like Mm -hmm. now authenticity and originality is more important than ever because it's like, yeah, you can't. It's not as easy to copy stuff anymore. Like you have to deal with yourself like this this whole year it's been a year right yeah it's been almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah pretty much like, but this whole yeah. year has been like the one thing that i've really kind of taken away from it is like you have to like, you have to fucking deal with yourself you know right like right. you're forced to now you can't just go outside and ignore it like you you're stuck just dealing with yourself and facing the things that you like and the things that you don't like right Right. What? Well, what is the situation now 
over there in Copenhagen, are you able to at least go outside? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the thing is that we never like fully went, like we never fully locked down. So what it is now, which is the most restrictive it's been, is that all, like pretty much all small businesses are closed. So you can like go to the grocery store, you can go to, um, you know, like pharmacies and stuff like that, but you can't go to the movies, all the bars are closed, all the restaurants are closed, or like only doing takeaway or what's it called delivery. And I think you're, so all the places that would sell alcohol stop selling alcohol after 10 p.m., and I mean, Christian, you were here. You know how. Yes, much... I know how exactly. serious that is. <laughs> you know, so it's like that. I, I think that restriction came on like right around Christmas, where our numbers started getting really bad again. Mm-hmm. And like it was fun. I was talking to one of my friends, like right, I think the day or the day after those restrictions went into place. And I was like, oh, this is for real, for real. Like, this is not, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Like, we've been in it since March, but only in December was it like, oh, shit, this is not a game. Like, Mm -hmm. we are in this for the long run, and this is not just going to go away, you know? But, I mean, thankfully, the vaccine is out and about, and they're getting ready to really ramp up vaccinations. So... Right now, the optimistic outlook is that around like June, July, everything's going to be kind of open again. Mm-hmm. So they're going to start, I guess the idea is that they're going to start like easing up on restrictions in around April mm-hmm. when the numbers are kind of proven to be steadily at a better rate and right. stuff like that. But I mean, I just read an article today that the the British variant, which is the one that we've been panicking about lately, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is is a little bit more lethal than the regular one. So who knows? I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, yeah. Here, here in California, we we have like a soft uh, restriction where they they constantly say you shouldn't be doing this, and you should, you know, these yeah. places are closed, and you should be home. And and wearing masks and stuff, but they don't they don't enforce it. I think right. our governor for California specifically, oh right after right after uh, he uh, he set some restrictions, he went to a restaurant to eat. Oh yeah, I read about yeah. that. Yeah, Gavin, yeah. Evan went out to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like such a silly thing, you know. And yeah. uh, other other places of of the U.S. same exact thing. Um, it's it's been kind of crazy. I think I think just yesterday, I learned that a lot of my neighbors actually ended up getting COVID and stuff, and uh, I had no clue this entire time. Yeah, but uh, it kind of shocked me. I was like, "You, none of you told us you had COVID." And you were like, <laughs> <laughs> like, when did this happen? <laughs> you can't. I think I've, like it obviously doesn't make any sense to like have its like weirdly soft restrictions like that. But the more I think about it, I'm like, you can't really tell Americans what to do. Like, it's so ingrained in your national DNA that, like, even if they did go super hard on the restrictions, like, uh, you know, people yeah. would break out of it. People would do whatever they want to do because that's 
Like that's the American way. You're you're rebels. But that that's not good though. That's a, it is not. But yeah, I mean, we, got, we I think we just hit like five hundred thousand people have died in the U.S. We have like a quarter of the world's deaths. Oh yeah, from, it's crazy. Uh, it's so really like crazy. That kind of attitude causes that to happen, you know. And it's like it's mostly older people, you know, yeah. dying from this, and and it's being spread like that. So, um. I guess I guess it's interesting hearing that that the US <laughs> are the rebels. Uh, I mean it's I, one of those is I yeah. the way I see it is like live by the sword, die by the sword, you know? Like this is like it's hitting you now that all right, this whole freedom ideal. I mean, it works when it works, but when it doesn't, shit hits the fan, you know? Uh yeah, I it's it might be it's interesting because living in I live in Los Angeles. Uh Christian lives in uh Fontana, which is kind of close to Los Angeles too. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I think here is a bit different than the rest of the US, like California, um uh, in these big cities. Uh I don't I don't necessarily feel like it's it's that that's against the grade and stuff like that. Um but I, I definitely know, like in in the southern states, like like Florida, like you were talking about before we started the interview, that is definitely the case over there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's a pretty wild time. But I mean, I just hope that everything kind of shakes out the way it's supposed to. And right, like the thing that's or america wise the thing that's been really worrying oh. me right now has been texas and that whole ordeal and like i was i've been following that like weirdly intently like normally i try not to dive too much into like american politics because it gets really <laughs> like it gets kind of depressing <laughs> mm-hmm. but i don't know the whole texas thing like really hit with home the, with me because it was so like with the snowstorm it's Texas, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. With the snowstorm and then the power cuts oh. and like Ted Cruz deciding to go to Cancun. And like it's, you know, it's one of those things where I look like you look at it from mm-hmm. this Danish perspective and Kristen, you've been here. So you kind of know that like in general, right. Danes have this outlook right. on the U S that like goes crazy Americans, you know? <laughs> And then you you look at it and you look at this whole Texas situation and it's crazy. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. It it right. really blows my mind that something like this could happen. Like, okay, snowstorms happen. I understand. Like, like climate change is for real. But that the biggest state and one of the wealthiest and most mm-hmm. independent states is fucked up like this. It's really right. Right, it blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's always yeah. been like that's, that's always why, been like you know this when I hear people are all like, "Oh my God, Texas!" Blah, blah. I was like, "I've been to Texas so many times, I am not surprised." Like they, they are. I have yeah, family out crazy. there in Texas. Like my entire mo- mother's side lives in Texas. So I was like, "So y'all good?" <laughs> like with the power being out, and you know your mayor saying, "Get over it." You know it, it's. It was crazy. It was like, that is like, how could you say that? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I, I, I never understood. Like, that was the thing that threw me for a loop, that he publicly said that. Like, oh, if it wasn't for socialism, you guys wouldn't be so yeah. soft. I was like, first of all, we're not a socialist country. <laughs> it's just, it's wild. It's wild. And... 
like when I think about like yeah. Denmark, like I know that you guys probably flipped when beer couldn't be sold after ten, and I was, yeah. It was wild, dude. It was it was it was so funny because I remember the night that they put in that mm-hmm. restriction. Like I live pretty close to like a Seven Eleven. And so from my balcony, I can look down on the 7-Eleven. And mm-hmm. I've never seen a line outside that 7-Eleven before. But the night they, like, I think they announced it at, like, 7 mm-hmm. p.m. That it would, like, starting the next day, alcohol wouldn't be sold after 10. And, like, the line outside the 7-Eleven was so real. I was like, damn, this is our, day. Right. this, we're not going to stand for this, huh? But, again, I mean, Danes are so... I guess in a lot of ways the opposite from Americans in that we have a lot of faith in our government and a lot of faith in big government and like a lot of faith in the idea that, all right, they probably, it's probably for the best in some way, even though, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of criticism and rightly so, but I think in general, there's this kind of, um, agreeability of like all right yeah let's let's accept this it's probably for the best things will be so i'm pretty sure that there weren't any like any violent protests or riots or anything like that like over here in the united states over beer so okay oh no it was it was super chill i mean even like now where small businesses have pretty much been closed for a few months now and you know that they're struggling i mean there's no way around it but compared to small businesses in a bunch of other countries or small business owners, there haven't really been any kind of like major protests. Like there's, there's this group called <laughs> men in black, which is a hilariously stupid name, but it's just it's like, it's a very, very small group of basically like <laughs> Corona deniers. Who like uh, they march up and down this street and it's like, everyone kind of laughs at them. Cause no one, like, it's not, a protest mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the scale where it's, it's taken seriously, you know? And that's, like, been the only thing. Apart from that, Danes have just been kind of rolling with the punches and just living in this idea or this belief that it's probably for the best and that right. it'll probably work out. Or yeah, work that, sound, out. that sounds like Denmark to me. Like, there is no... I'm surprised Damn. you said there was a lie because I didn't see a single lie while I was out there for anything, for anything. There wasn't a lie. Um, well, what about during the global yeah. movement for Black Lives Matter? Did anything pop off over there? Because... Mm-hmm. So that was a... It was a really interesting time, actually, because it was right in... Or kind of in the middle of, like, I guess, peak summer here. And when it happened, or when... George Floyd was murdered, it was a really kind of interesting situation of like seeing all the reactions on Instagram. And, you know, I mean, you see reactions on Instagram to these things all the time. And my general kind of approach to it, or my, I guess my view on it has been like, yeah, it's all great on Instagram. That's cool. Like you can post a story and be on with your day, but when's like Mm -hmm, the action mm going to come or when are we like actually going to show some kind of you know action and i think i'm not sure if it was the weekend after or a couple weekends after but there was a a really really large demonstration like definitely the biggest one i've been a part of like i think it was 
somewhere, or I mean, no one knows the actual numbers, but it's been estimated wow. to like between ten or fifteen thousand people who like walked from, um, I guess one of the main train stations in Copenhagen, past the American Embassy, and then to the to City Hall, and it was it was great. Like it was, it was really uh, cool to see kind of the Instagram activism show up in like real life and actually, you know, do something or at least show some kind of mm -hmm. explicit support. So it was really, it was a nice time and I was really happy and moved to, like I went out and joined the march and it was cool. Like people of a lot, I mean, obviously as expected, there were a lot of young people, but I saw a lot of old people too. I saw a lot of very old white looking people who were just completely like they were in it and they really meant it. And they were mm -hmm. chanting as loud as like any wow. 18 year old. Well, so it was I great. read an article actually, because, you know, a few people that I know, like across the globe, like um, in the UK or Australia and stuff, they're like, yeah, we're protesting too, blah, blah, blah. And I came across an article in Denmark. I think it was before those protests. And it was just um, a Danish citizen. She was um, she was black, um, and she was just saying, "Yeah, you know, it's mm -hmm. nice that you know we're actually doing these protests and stuff for Black Lives Matter and stuff." But um, Denmark struggles with their own problems too when it comes to racism. And she saw she said the most thing that we struggle yeah. with is like the white oh, yeah. savior complex. Like, oh, you know, white Danes that come in and say, "Oh, we'll fix mm -hmm. it" and stuff like that, rather than. Um, addressing the issue you know head on or oh, like actually sure. asking ghosts what's wrong what's your what's your take on that what's your perspective on that oh yeah i mean i think i can agree with that it's especially on the part with us having our own problems that we really need to deal with first i mean like in denmark the main kind of racism problem is towards migrants from mm -hmm. north africa and the middle east and it's really bad like i mean our government has been really really shitty about it and we have these i i don't know what like what the the direct translation is i guess but i they call them like temporary moving out centers for so mm -hmm. For people who've been denied citizenship, but we can't just return them. We have these camps and the conditions in those camps are like, I think three or four different separate UN human rights evaluations have been made. And every single one of them has been like, yeah, this is disgusting. Like you can't honestly say that you're a modern liberal well-meaning country and have these camps but we still have them and to this day they're mm -hmm. still open and it's it's pretty fucking gross you know so we have definitely our own kind of shit that has to get dealt with and we're not necessarily i mean mm -hmm. we're not necessarily doing a very good job at that i guess and it's it's one of those things where you can kind of kind of look at it and i mean i was i talked to my girlfriend about it while we were at the black lives matter march it's like man you would never see fifteen thousand people at a close the camps march you know 
And that's a problem that's so much closer to home than a man getting murdered in the U.S. Like, while it's terrible and something that's worth protesting against, you have these problems that are so much closer to home and they're so much more Mm -hmm. actionable in a very direct way. And people just don't show up for that in the same way. I mean, including myself. Like, I don't want to, you know, do any holier than thou or anything like that. Like, it's it's very Mm -hmm. much one of those things where it was an eye-opener. And like, oh, man, this is a problem that's very much at my doorstep and at our doorstep that we just don't handle as well or deal with as well. Why, why do you think we do that? Like, why do you think humans when they don't like a certain group or are afraid of a certain group, they, they decide to round them up. Cause we struggling with the put same them in thing one location when it comes to our, you know, and, no. what did they label him? Um, for ice. <laughs> I'm just like, that's a, that's, I was like, that's a concentration camp. Oh, so, Exactly. Oh yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, I think the main thing is just like it's it's control, and it's like all. I think in a lot of ways the the general like swing to the right in terms of immigration politics that's been happening kind of everywhere the last five, ten, fifteen years is very much based on this like fear of. I mean, it's. I can't believe I'm saying this, but South Park really <laughs> nailed it back in 2004 or whatever. Like, there was this idea of they took our jobs and let's, you know, let's be scared of them. And they they look different from us and let's be scared of them. I mean, especially in a country mm-hmm. like Denmark, which is so <laughs> homogenous. I mean, compared to like pretty much anywhere else, it is ex- like, make, like, let's not get it confused. Like, this is a very white country. And the like it's it's been that way for a very 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 long time and so now you have this like growing influx of immigration and this simultaneous like stoking of that fear by certain right-wing parties and it's i mean i think a lot of the people who are kind of a part of that swing to the right are just really scared shitless about these people who they don't necessarily understand. They don't even really see them. They All they know is that they speak a different language. They have a different religion. And therefore, they're scared of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, like, that whole um, camp idea or that whole, like, rounding them up idea is, like, trying to control and punish something that you are afraid of because you don't fundamentally see them or understand them or even necessarily view them as like human beings Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i kind of want to give a little history lesson about uh because what you said what you said was uh very accurate to what's going on here um Mm -hmm. and it's and i mean like so in the night in the 1940s we had uh japanese american concentration camps um, all over the coast after Pearl Har- the Pearl Harbor attack, mm-hmm. I, you know, during World War II, Japan attacked uh, Hawaii, and then a bunch of Japanese Americans along the mostly coastal area were forced into these camps. Um, hundred ten thousand of them, well, closer to hundred twenty thousand, and uh, most of them were citizens, and uh, you know, none of them 
all of them were harmless. None, none of them had like I think they the FBI later did uh, had a statistic where like only one percent of them might have been, you know, um, might have been dangerous, right? Right. And uh, the reason behind this was actually that Japanese Americans were like the first Japanese that came to the United States um, around. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Let's say nineteen twenties. We can check that later. <laughs> uh, you know, they came here and they started working as farmers. Yeah. And uh, they couldn't own land, so they worked on other far- on white people's <laughs> land um, as farmers. And then once they started having kids, their kids were American citizens. So now they, they, they made enough money to buy their own land, buy their own farms. They had better techniques than the white American farmers. And so the white farmers were getting upset that the Japanese were doing better than them in the U.S., mm. um, and so they were looking for an excuse for a while to get them. And then once Pearl Harbor attacked, that was it. They're like, let's round them up. Right. But for, for a while now, they wanted to do that already. And when they rounded them up, they what happened to their land? They just kind of lost it. They just took them from their homes. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Anybody, it was like up for grabs. And now... Isn't it cra- it's crazy uh, to me that like... So all this happened in, I guess, early 40s. Yeah, and now 1940s. it's 2021, and mm-hmm. violence against Japanese Ameri- or Asian Americans yep. is skyrocketing, and it's crazy to me. Like, how is that? Like, it's literally within, I guess, our grandparents' lifetime that it's gone full circle. Mm-hmm. It's wild to me. Like, yeah, history repeats itself. It really does. Yeah, in the most like in the creepiest of ways, and and now. You're hearing the same rhetoric with Mexicans come crossing the border to the United States, Mexicans coming to the U.S., getting jobs as farmers, right? And now you're hearing Mexicans are taking our jobs. Yeah. Same exact rhetoric. And it's it's crazy. It's like it literally nothing's changed, you know? It's really it's wild. It's like the same thing. And, and uh, now children are being separated from their families put in cages and you know people are protesting but mm-hmm. n- not a lot is being done i think you know i, I biden has has passed some laws but absolutely mm-hmm. not enough to stop this from happening right you know? and all it is, is is you know people trying to yeah. and come here for a better life and just yeah and 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 yeah mm-hmm. so i'm really curious i'm really curious about this just like, I mean, I know it's only been <laughs> what officially yeah. a month since Biden was inaugurated. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the word mm-hmm. is put in place. <laughs> inaugurated, yeah. there it is. Yeah. What's it? I mean, have you been able to sense any kind of change or any? I mean, I'm sure the sentiment has shifted a little, but I mean, the last thing that happened before he was mm-hmm. inaugurated mm-hmm. was. The storming of the capital you know so like i'm really yeah. curious what the vibe in america is like right now in terms of this new president that you have i mean i can give That's like question. my american perspective and then i can give like my black american perspective so um so i, I can give both <laughs> um so well but first before we move on to that um yeah. i looked it up matt for i googled it to figure out when did um 
the Japanese start of immigrating to America. It was 1860. Um, so the oh, 1860s, yeah. they actually started arriving. Yeah. Oh, wow. The, Way the sooner than I thought. first arrived on the Hawaiian Islands to work I was thinking, in yeah. sugarcane okay. fields. I'm going to have to look into that. So, um, yeah, okay. that's a little interesting tidbit. Yep. Yeah. Thanks but, for checking um, me. Anyways, to answer your question, um, as an American, I mean, we can be optimistic and things like that. And you're like, okay, we finally got, you know, Trump out. I know that's how, like, a lot of people feel now. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, we can breathe and things like that, blah, blah, blah. And um, some of the executive orders that he's put into place are amazing. Like, um, for example, one thing that sticks with me um, since I study with prisons is that he com- officially banned federal private prisons here in America. So um, I was like, it's about time wow. <laughs> that you stopped doing that. So, but, you know, another part of yeah, me says, but that crazy. does not exclude state prisons that are privatized. So the states still have, you know, the authority to oh, have well, private prisons. And the state of California is one of the worst. So I'm just not like, you need to get your shit together, California. Yeah. You really do. Um, but, I mean, it's like a little optimism. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, as a Black American, Black Lives Matter still resonates with me very well, even though people have already started taking off their art and stuff like that. And like, okay, it happened, stuff like that. We get the point, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's almost like, okay, congratulations. We have another old white man in office. Like, how is this going to change anything? How is he going to put, you know, orders that can't be reversed because executive orders can be reversed? Um, how are we actually going to progress to change? Yeah, yeah exactly. how are we going to you know <laughs> progress to real change? And it's um it's more skepticism than anything, at, mm. at least for me. So I don't know about you, Matt. Right. Well, I think I think it's pretty clear mm. Joe Biden is not a very uh, progressive president, <laughs> uh, but the people around him can put you know uh, can push him in the right direction. Right. He could he could probably pass the most progressive policies to date, even though him, him he himself isn't because of the people around him, you know, right. but I mean, when Obama was elected president, people were like, yeah, you racism's over in the US. Woo. And then <laughs> you literally once he's out of office, the next president directly after him is this like radical, crazy white supremacist just shameless about it mm-hmm. and that was a direct response to obama becoming president that was there's no way about how do you get how do you jump from somebody like that to trump you know right there's a direct response by uh, by rural america mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess and so it just it, it, i'm i mean i don't think there's going to be huge progress uh, maybe some small changes, but like Christian said, what's what's going to stop the next president from just turning everything over again? Right. We keep flip flopping, and, and progress in the U.S. is slow. Um, we have checks and balances that are supposedly supposed to help stop radical changes, but uh, as we saw, it doesn't work if the majority of if two branches of government are Republican or something yeah. like that. And they literally will not compromise 
at all. The, the problem is Democrats will co- compromise with Republicans. Mm-hmm. Republicans lately have not been compromising at all. Mm-hmm. And so – and they, they want some crazy stuff that just doesn't make sense. Right. And so it it's hard lately and like it's definitely been – the U.S. has definitely been polarized um, and like I have family because – so my family's from Russia – or from the Soviet Union, they came here right before it was collapsing and stuff. And so okay. they were Jewish and, and they came here for a better life. And, uh, you know, they, a lot of them are Trump supporters. And so it was, uh, it's, you know, it's weird seeing that, you know. Yeah, that's a and, really strange kind of fatal irony that like, yep. I, I read this statistic that like a lot of immigrants, groups or mm-hmm. or were very pro-trump and it confuses the hell out of me like especially like i read somewhere that like a bunch like a lot of cubans are very pro-trump mm-hmm. and i'm like but mm-hmm. but you like you know where this road leads like yeah you you've seen it you've seen it <laughs> firsthand you know exactly where it goes like this isn't a mystery to you more than the vast majority of other people you know exactly how this road ends mm-hmm. it's yeah it's it's really crazy to me yeah. And I, I think the weird thing is like, so, it, you know, I'm a, I'm a straight white male living in the United States. Me personally, I'm not directly affected by a lot of these choices because a lot of these choices are meant to help straight white men because they're yeah. made by straight white men, you know? Yeah. And so I know that me, myself, all this stress, I'm like all this stress that I'm experiencing and anger isn't for me it's it's for my friends and for the people like people around me that mm-hmm. they're being treated unfairly and like it, that it's ridiculous that we even have to go through this and and that you know it's unbelievable that people just look down on other people for how they look and stuff mm-hmm. like that and so all my frustration is is put forth there like that's that's why I'm doing this you know it's like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm <laughs> it's, I'm based, I'm doing it for others, you know, for other people to be treated equally. Right. You know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's cool. I don't think it's fair for people to go through life and be treated this way. And, and uh, I think that there should be more people who are working to change that. I mean, ideally, right. Or I guess in, the idea of kind of any kind of struggle like this is that nothing really happens until the people who are a part of the winning majority also feel that it's a problem, you know? Oh, goodness. Hold on. My radio just turned on. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, that well. Like, the people who are in the winning majority have to give a fuck for something to actually change, you know? Like, until straight white men care about people who aren't straight white men nothing really changes so i think it's i mean that's the kind of energy that i think is necessary i mean wherever you are like even here when we're talking about how the danish government treats migrants from the middle east like it it doesn't really nothing really changes until all the white people in this country like also give a fuck like it doesn't mm-hmm. really like i mean yeah it, it it's it's necessary 
that the winning majority also cares and cares equally or sometimes and even I cares like more. The crazy you know? thing about that is if you contrast Denmark to the States, like it's more of a literal sense in Denmark, like if all the white people cared, because <laughs> there's like, you know, 80, 90% are the white people. But yeah. over here, you know, white people are the minority statistically. Like if we go numerically, um, however, mm-hmm. it's a power thing. It's a power struggle. And I feel like that it's important for, right. I would say this, like one thing that I did leave out that's actually like really, really good that I'm starting to notice is that people are starting to become more politically aware and politically um, involved, not only at a federal level, but at a state and local level mm-hmm. too. Like people are actually like stopping and reading the terms mm-hmm. of agreement. Like, 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 hold on. Exactly. They're like, who about, are we signing about up time, for? Right? Okay, it's about time. are you sure about that? And the, they like actually do the research yeah. and do the digging, and like, we'll find the dirt on you. Like, if you're going into politics and say no because you said A, B, and mm-hmm. C about this group, no, nah, we can't have you. We're not about it. And that's mm-hmm. really, really inspiring to me because I know a lot of Americans in the past are all like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, my vote doesn't mount, doesn't count, it doesn't matter, but like this election alone that just passed like there was more voters inside the history of america ever so uh i say that that right we should continue with that being more involved at a state and local level i feel like that that's our main issue um because the states they act like they're their they're their own country (laughs) which is so weird like the moment you cross that line yeah yeah I mean, they are states. Like, they're states in the exactly. literal, in the literal so, sense of the word. I mean, you know? I feel like as long as we continue with that, then things could, could get better. That's that's yeah. the most hopeful sentiment I've heard. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I can... That, that soothes my soul a little bit. Because I can imagine that it's right. very easy to get very pessimistic. Like, I mean, even in Denmark, like, which is in a lot of ways a lot better i mean like for me as a black man it's a lot better here than it would be in the states or in some places in the states but i mean even here like it's very easy to get super pessimistic about a lot of things so i think that there's a a hopeful kind of idea or a hopeful sentiment that people need to get informed and stay informed and that's slowly happening so it's good we're in, we're in, we're moving in the right direction. Have you been able to revisit back to, um, like actually get out of Denmark and go to different countries, like go back to Africa? I mean, I have, but I think when I think the last time, it's actually funny. The last oh. time I left Denmark was I went to Los Angeles. That was December of last nice. year, yeah, or December of two thousand nineteen. I was in LA for. T- 10 days with a friend of mine um, getting some, like we took, we had some, uh, I guess you could call them classes or like a workshop with a producer in LA. And that was great. And I hadn't, like I've been to the States a bunch of times as you can probably hear from my (laughs) strangely American accent. That's, I was actually, I was actually, that was going to be one of the last things I wanted to ask you. It it messes people up. I was like, so the backstory the backstory behind my accent which i know sounds so american is that 
Um, when I was, I think, around like probably six, six or seven, mm. my biological mother moved to Maryland, and so I visited her a bunch and like was in Maryland a lot, and kind of picked up Americanism there. And then when I was I guess 11, when we moved to Burkina Faso, I went to an American international school and there were a lot of Americans there and the curriculum was American. So I have this kind of really strange relationship with American culture where in a weird way from like sixth grade to 10th grade, I was very much ingrained in American culture, but in West Africa, which was really strange. Or like thinking back on it, it's really strange. At the time, it felt super normal, and it was great because I, I was, I got a bunch of the stuff. Like I fig, like I got a very intimate knowledge of American society and American people, which I'm super happy and grateful for now. But also thinking about it now, it's like, what the hell was I doing in West Africa, right. getting all of this American culture? into me like I, I you i don't know if you noticed like right when we started well we still have our had our cameras on like i'm wearing a giants a new york giants sweatshirt <laughs> like why is a kid who's born in ghana raised in denmark wearing a giant sweatshirt mm -hmm. like yeah so that's the story behind my americanism i guess in a lot of ways yeah americans influence uh, america's influence reaches pretty far and wide yeah your main export is your culture don't let anyone tell you otherwise uh, that's the main thing that you can export or that you <laughs> export well is american culture and i mean for better or for worse it is really impressive like it's, it's great <laughs> yeah and also terrible but also great yeah so if you had if you had oh a Danish God. accent, how would it sound like? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. Christian knows it's it's it, the Danish English accent is really bad. So you yes. kind of say the words a little bit like this, and the when you talk, you you ha, you say a lot of uh, and then you think a lot about what you are saying because oh my God, a lot of a lot of Danes don't actually oh speak English very well. It sounds like everything's a question. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. Everything's a little bit of a question when you're talking to an American. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I'm really glad that I don't sound like that. It's helped me out a lot in my life that I don't sound like that. Yeah, I'm glad we got to hear it, though. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, well it's probably uh, getting really late for you right now. It's uh, actually, yeah, it's, I mean, but I'm an, I'm a night person. So we can, like, we go as long as you guys want to go. Well, I'm we got, cool with whatever. Uh, say like three more minutes left. Cause we usually do cool. an hour. Um, one thing that I did want to ask you, um, All right. was during your time, um, in Denmark and studying music and stuff like that, blah, 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 blah. Like as someone who looked, who was black, I'm pretty sure inside school there wasn't a lot of representation <laughs> or like a lot of people to like look after and, and that's oh, no, probably why you know you mentioned nina simone and stuff like that for representation what is it like being inside the music industry but also being black in denmark so it's really interesting because 
like my whole my general relationship to my blackness and this like it's probably going to be hard to condense to three minutes but it's like because i spent the first eight years of my life in ghana where everyone is black like i don't have the same relationship to my blackness as being an other if that makes sense so i guess i kind of had to learn when we moved to Denmark, like the identity of being a minority and what kind of, what that entails. And it's it's been a thing that I'm still kind of unpacking because in a lot of ways, I don't, like I understand and see that I am black and that I am a minority, especially in Denmark, but it's not something that I'm necessarily as conscious about as a lot of Americans I know, or even a lot of like Danes who are, whose parents are immigrants. Like I think because I grew up so much not thinking about my blackness or not having it commented on, once I did move to Denmark, it, it started becoming a thing that was commented on. Mm-hmm. It threw me for a loop a little bit. And then also it kind of, I guess I have like a very grounded knowledge of, all right, I'm a person and I'm a like my blacklist notwithstanding, or like I'm a person beyond my blacklist, if that makes sense, you know. So, moving into like high school and college and getting into the music business, especially in Denmark, it's been a really kind of interesting experience because, in a lot of ways, Danes aren't necessarily like the racism that I experience is very, very different than the racism that someone whose parents are from the Middle East or is from the Middle East or from North Africa experiences. So the racism that I experience is probably more in terms of like exotification and like black stereotypes, but as a almost in a weird, like kind of tokenism with a positive intention. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, like tokenism. My- exactly. That's the word. Mm-hmm. And that's, been one of those things where like even within the last year i've kind of had to unpack that as its own expression of racism you know like i've uh so right after um the black lives matter march i joined a book club which was a thing that i never thought i'd do but i joined a book club with actually like it was me and a bunch of white women, which is also in its own way kind of hilarious. And through those conversations, or wait, no, there was also a black girl in there. Let me not mess up that. But through that, it was kind of one of those things where through talking about blackness and talking about different experiences, I had like I started to realize that oh shit, a lot of these situations that have gone on where I felt weird about it, but haven't necessarily felt hurt or slighted have also been expressions of expressions of racism or expressions of like being a minority. Like, uh, of course, people trying to touch my hair has always been weird, mm-hmm. but like, that's, that's what it is, you know? And people thinking that I'm good at playing drums mm-hmm. is really weird and extremely racist. But like, I had to unpack that as being racist. Whereas the few experiences that I've had that have been kind of expressions of hatred or, of distrust like i don't know they've been there and they've obviously registered as something that happened due to my race 
But the vast majority of the racism that I've experienced or the racism that I had to kind of learn was racism has been, yeah, tokenist, it's like super uh, exotification thing. And like, even in the music business, like people, because a lot of the culture that we consume now is very much rooted in blackness or black American blackness. I think there's been this weird kind of situation where there's almost an expectation for me to like do certain things or know how to do certain things. And that's been one of those things where I'm like really trying to figure it out and still trying to figure it out. Like the few years ago I had, I decided to like start a hip hop project where I was rapping in it. And it was a really, really strange thing for me because everyone that I told that I'd started this project was like, Oh yeah, of course. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Of course. Like, <laughs> you know, but that's like, that's been one of those things where the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's racism as well. And that's something that I've had to come to terms with and have to like figure out kind of a, a place in, you know? So it's been very, or it is like, it's ongoing and it's a consistent thing. It is very strange and it's very weird to kind of be in a minority, but not necessarily have as much as my, of my identity rooted in being of a minority. Like I don't necessarily, compared to a lot of other black people or black artists, I don't necessarily express my blackness or my upbringing or my culture in the art that I make, which has been, yeah, it's, it's kind of a thing that I'm really, I don't want to say struggling with, cause it's not something that I struggle with, but it's something that kind of messes with my head a little bit. Cause sometimes I'm like, should I be more for lack of a better term, proud to be black or should I, focus more on my blackness and the things that I do or the clothes that I wear mm -hmm. or the music that I make, or should I just right. do the, sh the stuff that I want to do? So yeah, that's, I guess that's the really long winded answer. No, to it your definitely is. Question, if you ask me, you should just do the stuff that you want to do. And then whoever you are, it ends up expressing itself. That's just the way it works out. That's what any art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like one of my big inspirations these days, and I don't want to keep going because well, it's about to be wrap up time. But one of my big mm -hmm. inspirations is like people like Childish Gambino, who, like, I've listened to and watched do stuff since like the early two thousands, and I think the thing that I really enjoy about the things that he makes is that his like it doesn't seem to, or at least for me. It doesn't have like it, it has or the, the art that he makes kind of has this implicit mission statement of trying to expand mm -hmm. what blackness is by him just being himself and making the stories that he wants to make. And sometimes those stories like his blackness is a huge part of those stories. Sometimes it's not. And like I think that kind of freedom to just be the person that you are who also happens to be black is really inspiring and like very, I guess, comforting for someone like me and for a lot of, a lot of other people. It's awesome. Well, 
you know, it is wrap up time. But before we do wrap up, um, wanted to ask two little short questions. Um, one, is there any plugins yes. or anything that we can advertise you or support you? Because we also love supporting all of our interviewees any way that we can. Um, and then second, wow. is there any music that you have that we could show off, man? <laughs> like, cause, cause, yeah, we stalked um, you. Yeah, we stalked to Spotify, um, wow. and we're all like, "See, this is popping." So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, I think the first, like, the first main thing I want to plug is there's this um organization in Denmark called Together We Push that's like that actively goes out to the camps that I was telling you about before and like brings food for the because there's a lot of children in these camps and like they bring food and toys and clothes and they have activities for these kids and it's horribly underfunded com like comparing to what they actually do and they I think that's an organization that I definitely want all of the listeners to go. I mean, even though it's like it's a Denmark and it's very far away, and it's hard to imagine that our socialist haven could have a bunch of problems, but it does. And, and I'm sure that any and all donations or attention or shoutouts or anything would be greatly appreciated. Together, so yeah, together we push. I think. Hold on, let me just find their Instagram real quick, just to make sure I don't mess up the plug, as we say. Yeah, if you just search together we together we push on Instagram, it shows up. It's great, great people, great organization doing the Lord's work. Um, yeah. What else? I don't know. Um, it feels weird to go from like support, support this organization <laughs> to then say support my music. <laughs> like that feels like a really morally wish-washy thing to do but hell yeah support my music i can't play any shows these days so like now more than ever and not only my music like in general support mm -hmm. the creatives around you because times is hard and we don't know when times are going to be less hard so my music my band is called artifact collective artifact like a historical artifact collective as in a group of people mm -hmm. doing stuff it's a good name Thank you. It's it's a it's a name that a lot of like when we first started and first started getting attention, people were like, "Why would you choose such a long, complicated name? <laughs> Let's go with one word." Especially nowadays, like everything is one word, four letters, you know. But Artifact Collective, that's the group. Those are my boys. Um and also, oh yeah, maybe I should plug this since it's a thing that's happening. I've been um working on uh I guess you can call it like a visual EP. It's a movie and or it's a short film and a collection of music that I've been working on over the past year that I'm going to be releasing oh wow within the next couple of months. So, yeah, you can just for the people listening, you can just find my name on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and keep up with that because it's going to be exciting. And it's something that I've like, it's my first right. project where it's my project and I haven't like I've I worked with other people on it, but it's very much mine and I awesome. made it. 
I'm very proud of it. Awesome. We can't wait. So yeah, I'll, uh, I think those are all of the shameless plugs I can do for now. <laughs> I don't have like a brand or anything. That's all. Buy my merch. Buy my merch. Yeah. Find the, the merch is, is in the, you know, it's in the, the link in the bio. Or, I'm not, I don't know. I'm so bad at this stuff. Like, it's terrible. All my musician friends are so good. Like, anytime they do an interview, they have like the whole plug thing, just ready to go. And I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Man. But yeah, yeah I think that's 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 awesome. what I have well, to play. I already followed awesome. it, so <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to share all this. Fantastic! That is that's the greatest. It's weird how like I follow you on Instagram <laughs> become like one of the greatest right? compliments that you could give a person. Yeah, like, what is this age we live in, man? Like, God, I follow you. I follow you on Instagram. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. We are officially done with season two. Woo! That Woo! was quite a season. Please stay tuned for our final team episode if we ever schedule one because you know us. We always running around doing something out in these streets, protesting, fighting for somebody's rights, fighting our own, for our own rights. <laughs> you know, doing different things. Um, but I assure you that we will come together and make one final episode as a team with at some point our editors and social media coordinator and everybody, the whole shebang. And with that, don't forget to send us a voice message because we want to answer your questions live on the show in our final team episode. And so, you know, make sure to click the link in our description so you could send in a voice message. You'd say whatever you want. If you have questions about an episode, uh, if you have any comments about the show, or if you just want to say hi. Yeah. If y'all was waiting for the last episode to say what you needed to say, be like, okay, I'm going to give them one last chance to correct themselves. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. This is your chance because now we have nothing else to say besides the, the team episode and what we plan for season three um all the different ideas that we have um preparing for the hiatus even though it won't even be much of a hiatus for us <laughs> since we'll be doing yeah. a lot of things inside the background planning new material for you guys that we're su super excited for mm -hmm. um but in the meantime go ahead and hit that follow button hit that like button comment wherever you're listening um and just show us some love let us know how you're feeling about the show um, and even give us some recommendations on what you think should be talked about that we might be missing right now, um, because we would love to cover anything that you guys might be thinking about during these times, uh, or saying, oh, I want to learn more about that, like that we mentioned or just brushed on or, <laughs> or just, um, gave a broad sense. Uh, we would love to provide more for you guys and help any way that we can. Um, we appreciate all the DMs that you're giving us, all the feedback that you're giving us, and the more the merrier, because the more feedback that you give us, the more that we can do for you guys. Um, but with that said, thank you so much for listening to OSM, and we will see you next time. See you next time. You don't want no idea. No
Thoughts are rushing in